Hello, travelers. This is KK, your host from Travel Talk with some new insider info. I know that many of you have dreamt of turning your love of travel into a profession, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of a one-of-a-kind mentorship where I will be sharing all my wisdom and insider tips after a decade of exploration through over 100 countries. The program, called Profitable Passport, is designed to guide you step-by-step to success as a travel professional. And here's the best part. Besides us becoming besties, of course, the startup costs for launching a travel business are surprisingly minimal. Want to learn more? Just visit ProfitablePassport.com and let's begin your future in travel. Hello, fellow Wanderlust. This is KK Robbins, and you are listening to episode 14 of Travel Talk. Today's episode is a continuation of the last episode, episode 13. And in this episode, we are diving directly into some of my favorite Mediterranean cruise ports. We will work our way from Spain in the West to Greece in the East. To enter the Mediterranean Sea from the Atlantic Ocean, you must pass through the Strait of Gibraltar. And at the edge of the Strait of Gibraltar, you will find Gibraltar itself. I was just having a conversation about how many think of the Rock of Gibraltar as a fictional place. Lying at the entrance of the Mediterranean, it is definitely real. Just as the British and Spanish, who are in a never-ending tug-of-war over this small piece of land jutting out from the Spanish mainland, Britain is currently winning, and that is evident the moment you reach shore, with pubs full of fish and chips and overflowing pints lining the streets at the base of the rock. Continuing along southern Spain, we reach Malaga, a port since 600 BC and birthplace of Pablo Picasso. Malaga is an electric blend of antiquity and elegant modern elements, where the sun always seems to shine, and a short paid shuttle or lovely 15-minute walk will take you directly to the old town and the expansive beaches. Next is Cartagena, Spain. Some of the most unique Roman ruins are found in this Spanish port city, including the home of a Roman family from the first century. But authentic tapas bars are the big draw here. Simply cross the street from the ship dock and you are surrounded by locals who take the art of eating very seriously. Next, we head to Mallorca one of the Spanish Balearic Islands that also include the famous Ibiza. Considering Mallorca makes my must-see list, it is going to make this list too. I think you need days and days on this island, but if you can only snag one, take it. You will quickly see what I'm on about and be jonesing to return very soon. It is a shuttle or taxi into the old town of Palma, or heading the opposite direction, you can take a bus or taxi to the beach coves. Next is Barcelona. As far as big cities go, this port is extremely close to the city. A short paid shuttle drops you across from the base of the famous Las Ramblas, a pedestrian boulevard that runs up from the sea into the heart of Bargatique, the old city. Leaving Spain and arriving into France, your first port is most likely Marseille. So this port itself is not easy. It requires a lengthy paid shuttle to reach the city. But when you get a chance to spend the day in Provence simply by being on a cruise, then it's a huge win. Taxis here are expensive and are scarce at the port. So this is one that you're going to want to book a tour. 
Just book one that goes to as many small villages as possible and pack it all in. Not often on cruise itineraries, but occasionally you will find on some of the smaller ships they will stop in Saint-Tropez, a perfect place for a day of decadence. Ship tenders will drop you off next to the yachts in town and instantly immerse you into Chanel and champagne lunches. A taxi or even local bus can shuttle you out to the beaches Bridget Bardot made famous. Continuing east along the Côte d'Azur or French Riviera, you will reach the port of Monaco, a very popular jumping-off port for this end of the Riviera. With easy access beyond to Nice or little towns like Villefranche-sur-Mer, as well as cove after cove of little beach enclaves that run along the train line. Arriving into Monaco is a breeze. Arriving into Monaco, you will either tender in or dock right in town. With the old town and palace of Monacoville looming overhead and the yacht harbors below, the Casino de Monte Carlo is just beyond. Next up is Calvi. On the French island of Corsica, Calvi sits quietly, serving true French flair. She plays by her own rules. Just a few quaint streets deep that run up the hill from the port, and it only takes 10 minutes to walk from end to end. It has a beach that extends out from the far end and goes several kilometers. This is an area in which I love to do stand-up paddleboarding. The village claims to be the birthplace of Columbus, although many places in the Mediterranean claim the same thing, but you can wind your way up into the old citadel and get a view back down over the entire town and port area. And one thing to note in Calvi is, although the town is easily explored on your own, if you want to go further afield, there are absolutely no rental cars or taxis, so best to book a tour. Next is the Port of Livorno. That is the one I mentioned that is the gateway into Tuscany and on into Florence. As I mentioned, my top pick here is a day in Lucca. However, another fabulous village is San Gimignano. Once again, all the names will be in the show notes. Civitavecchia is the port of Rome. Once again, this is not an easy port, but being the port of Rome, I have to mention it. Unless you are on a ship tour, you must take the free shuttle that will get you into the town of Civitavecchia. From here, only hassle with taking the train to Rome if you are tight on money. Otherwise, this is where I would say splurge for the ship transfer. They have one that will drop you off within walking distance of the Trevi Fountain in Rome, and it'll give you hours of free time to explore. And then you simply meet the shuttle that will bring you right back to the port and guarantee that you make it back on time. If you are looking for an alternative, go to the nearby Etruscan town of Tarquinia. It is occasionally offered by a ship tour, but otherwise what you need to do is gather four people and share a taxi from where the shuttle drops off. Arrange for the taxi to wait for two hours for a flat fee and then bring you back. It is also easy to take a taxi there and then return from Tarquinia by bus. Just it's not that easy to go by bus. That all said, Civitavecchia also has a small old town that you can wander around, go to the morning market, and they also have a waterfront that is full of great pizza options. This port is where the crew stocks up on cheap rations, so you'll see them returning to the ship loaded down with bags and bags of snacks. They'll look like they never get fed. 
just a little further south is the Port of Naples. For a more in-depth look into Naples and some of the places you can go in the surrounding area, go back and listen to episode 7 and episode 8. It is very easy to explore the big city of Naples or take a tour to the ruins of Pompeii or catch a ferry directly from the port to Capri or Sorrento. Or easily catch that train to the Palace of Caserta that I mentioned at the beginning of episode 8. Next is on the island of Sicily. It is the village of Taormina. You will tender into the beach town of Giardini Naxos and are under the magical village of Taormina, which sits 200 meters high above. You can spend a day at the beach or make your way up to the old village. Next is the island of Malta that lies south of the island of Sicily. This is part of the nation of Malta, and I explained my love of Malta in episode 5 and 6, so if you didn't hear that, go back and listen. Ships arrive in the Grand Harbor, which is just a short walk from the elevator lift, goes up to the upper Baraka Gardens to the town of Valletta. My love for everything Malta, oh, it runs deep. Next, we're going around the boot of Italy, and we turn up north into the Adriatic Sea, which runs along the entire eastern coast of Italy. Today, I'm going to focus on the eastern side of the Adriatic Sea, beginning with the Greek island of Corfu. From the port, it is a 30-minute walk into town, or you can simply catch a taxi for about 15 euros, and that's for up to four people. I also love to just hop on a taxi in, and then you take that walk along the waterfront all the way back. I'm usually walking off some really great food. This old town is filled with Venetian marble and flowering vines. Corfu is known as the Green Island, and to really get a sense of the beauty of this island, go track down the television series, The Durls of Corfu. Just north of Greece is the small nation of Montenegro. Veering in from the sea, ships sail through the stunning Bay of Kotor. It's one of the scenic highlights of the Mediterranean. It is a narrow, mountainous waterway that makes you feel like you're actually in the fjords of Norway. Ships enter and exit the same way, and it is so spectacular, you are going to want to watch on both ends of the day. The captain will mention the entry time into the bay in the announcement's on the previous day, so make sure to set your alarms. At the end of the bay, the ship reaches the small town of Kotor. It's something out of Robin Hood and is directly across from the pier. It does not take much time to explore the old town, and outside of the old town, there are little swimming spots along the bay. The food here is delish. It has so much seafood and amazing pastas, but my go-to is pizza by the slice at a place called Pizza Pronto. I am not joking when I say that I make a point of grabbing a giant slice at 10 a.m. and another right before the ship sails. From any vantage point, you are going to look up and see a fortress that is high above. You can actually access this at the backside of town, but do it early because it gets super hot as the day goes on. Once you're up at the top, the view is incredible and so worth the hike. More pizza, please. Next up, moving north, is Croatia. Now, I will be doing a full episode rundown of why this country is having a moment, and just know that 
any town that shows up on a cruise itinerary is a blessing. Dubrovnik and Split are the largest, and Dubrovnik is the crown jewel and home of the Game of Thrones. It requires a shuttle or a taxi to get into the old town. I say to avoid the pricey ship shuttles that just share a flat rate taxi into town. There will be plenty waiting when the ship arrives, as well as plenty to return you from the town when you're ready to come back. Dubrovnik, if you're lucky, is a port that will have a late sail. If this is true, as much as I want you to experience the old town of Dubrovnik with the walls all lit up, the marble streets glistening, I have to tell you that it is very popular for the ship to have a local troop come on board before the ship sails. So there will be a performance on board about an hour to an hour and a half before all aboard. Many people do not notice this in the program and are sorely disappointed when they miss it. As I mentioned, any stop in Croatia is fantastic. The smaller stops like the island of Korčula or Havar will tender in and be directly into the little village. Other places like Vodica and Zadar are also small. They are on the mainland, but they are lovely and just a short walk from the pier. At the end of the Adriatic is the wonder of Venice, Italy. Once this was very easy, but now ever-changing regulations are causing most ships to dock sometimes hours away. Therefore, I can no longer say it is easy to go by ship. Back down and out the Adriatic Sea, we will reach Greece once again and the town of Naflion, which for a short time was actually the capital of Greece before Athens took back over. The regal buildings and Venetian fortress reflect its history, but now it's really just a great port for boutique shopping, eating gyros, and swimming off the nearby beach, which is very similar to any Greek island port on any itinerary. Greek island ports pretty much have the same playbook. The opportunity for a walk through a quaint village, an authentic seaside lunch, and an ocean swim, with most of these likely within walking distance from the pier. The island of Mykonos, known as the party island, it is Greek's answer to Ibiza. Beach clubs are top-notch, and the white and blue town is filled with high-end boutiques and eateries worthy of their star clientele. Next is Rhodes, Greece. This island is larger than most, and it is a unique Greek island due to its close proximity to Turkey and the history of Ottoman occupation. The food and architecture throughout the cobblestoned old town are much more varied than they are in the other Greek islands. Ships dock just across from the entrance to the old town and about a 20-minute walk to the beach. So you can easily make a day of it right here in Rhodestown. But to see more of this large island, take a tour to Lindos or rent a car right outside the port gate. Last but definitely not least is Santorini, the most dramatic and my favorite of all the Greek islands. And in our next episode, I will be sharing all the reasons why this island beckons me back year after year. Pamelada, let's go to Greece.
Hopefully you were inspired with Wanderlust today, and I am excited to share that after much delay, a new season of Travel Talk full of episodes with a twist will begin dropping again soon.